I wonder if you've ever gotten some news that was just so good you found it hard to believe. A few years ago, I got a, an email from a travel agent I was working with to book some flights, uh, and it said, uh, one more thing was the subject line, and uh, from there, uh, I thought, oh gosh, what's happened? And uh, in the email, it said that I had won a all-expenses-paid five-day holiday to the Cook Islands. And I thought, that can't be right. I, I didn't enter such a competition, uh, and uh, that these sorts of things don't happen. So I thought about trashing the email and putting it down to spam, but I did know the travel agent who had sent me the email, uh, and uh, so I replied back, really? Uh, Reread it again, waited for the reply, and yes, really, I had actually, unbeknownst to me, entered myself in a competition to win a holiday to the Cook Islands and won. Uh, so then I rang up Elisa, because I got to take one person with me, uh, and said, hey, guess what, we, we, we won a holiday to the Cook Islands. And she said, ha, good, good joke. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 really, like we really did. And so she sat uh, in the school staff room, uh, uh, sitting there kind of flabbergasted for a while, just going, wow, I can't believe this. And her friend's looking at her going, what's wrong? And she's like, my husband just rang me and told me we've won a trip to the Cook Islands, I don't believe it. Uh, and everyone was like, wow, that's amazing. Now, do you think that story is true or not? Uh, I've got some photos to try and prove to you that it is true. There we go. We did indeed go to the Cook Islands. Uh, I did indeed learn how to paddleboard. Uh, however, you could still think that I just bought the holiday and I'm still lying to you. You'd probably need me to dig out my emails from the travel agent and uh, show you where it says that I'd won. Perhaps even you'd like me to uh, call the said travel agent uh, and uh, get her to tell you that such a thing did happen back in 2016. Well, you better get rid of those pictures, otherwise no one's going to listen to me. They'll just dream of holidays on the Cook Islands. Easter is the story of unbelievable news. Here we have the story of this man, Jesus, who got killed in one of the most horrible and inhumane and painful ways imaginable. A guy called Roger W. Bayard, so you know he must be smart because he uses his initial. He writes in the Forensic Science, Medicine and Pathology Journal that when you were crucified, you were nailed to a large wooden beam and left to hang there until you eventually died from exhaustion and asphyxiation. Horrible. Certainly not on anyone's top ten ways to die list. And the Romans were expert crucifiers. They didn't do this wrong. When they nailed someone to a, to a cross, they did it properly. A bit like Americans and lethal injections. They did it a lot and they knew what they were doing. But not only that, not only did Jesus uh, die in a fairly excruciating and painful way at the hands of expert executioners, but prior to that, he was beaten and spat upon and tormented and humiliated. And then once they did hang him on the cross, and once they did think he was dead, just to make sure, they went with the old spear 
through the side. Jesus was well and truly dead. And this death of his was witnessed by many people. John is keen to point this out in his gospel, in the chapter prior that we read through on Good Friday. He says, near the cross stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. There's, there's people standing by, watching on, witnessing his death. And later, he says in uh, John 19.35, the man who saw it has given testimony and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that you may also believe. Jesus really died, he was really dead. And John tells us he was really buried too. Joseph of Arimathea, a real person, took him and buried him in a tomb. In Matthew and Mark, we read of how the large stone was placed over the tomb. There is no doubt in anyone's mind that Jesus was well and truly dead and buried. And so what are we doing here today? Because people don't rise from the dead, do you? That's, that, is tr- that is truly unbelievable news. And so it's not surprising that as we read what happened on that first Easter day, that we would read the story of real people struggling to comprehend the resurrection. When Mary Magdalene gets to the tomb and she sees that the stone's been moved, her first thought is not, oh, it's the first Easter Sunday, Jesus must be alive, how good is that? No, we read. John chapter 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Where is he? Someone has taken him. You can imagine, can't you, the grief. And then compounded on top of losing someone you love, then thinking you at least knew uh, where you could go and pay your respects. Now that's been snatched from you too. Surely this can't be, Mary's thinking. Surely these Romans, these Jewish leaders, they could at least show him some respect in death. Why have they taken him? Who's taken him? Where has he gone? And Peter and John who's the, the, the disciple who is cryptically named in those verses, uh, they hear this news uh, and they run to the tomb. John goes in, sees the evidence is not there, and we read he believed. Though what, what he exactly believed isn't clear, because we read uh, uh, that though he believed in verse 8, in verse 9, they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. I think what, what he believes is simply Mary's account that Jesus isn't there. Mary, meanwhile, is still devastated, still wondering what on earth has happened, and then she sees these two angels, we read in verse 12, before she turns around and sees a gardener. And even then, who we know as the story unfolds, this gardener is Jesus. Even then, she doesn't recognise him because 
Jesus is dead, buried and missing, not alive, standing in front of her. So this, this man says to her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Verse 15, Mary says, Sir, if you had carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. I'm guessing she didn't really look up, but even then, even hearing his voice, it's just so unbelievable that a dead man would rise. It just doesn't occur to her until Jesus greets her by her name. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. We all know, don't we, how people who we know and love, they have a way of saying our names, of communicating with us. It's understandable, isn't it, that that was the moment that kind of opened her eyes to the possibility. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And so, Mary goes on to become the first person to ever tell the good news. The news that Jesus is alive. The unbelievable, unlikely, yet totally remarkable and world-transforming news that the dead man Jesus has come to life. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them, that he had said these things to her. Jesus is alive. I wonder what you make of the claim that Jesus rose from the dead some 2,000 years ago. I want to say that if it's one you uh, struggle with from time to time, that you're, you're in good company. You're, you're in the company of Mary Magdalene, and the disciples. It's a difficult claim to believe. It's a little surreal. Jesus' own disciples found it difficult to believe themselves. That, that they're still gathering in fear even after having uh, heard Mary tell them this news. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be unpacking the different resurrection appearances of Jesus each Sunday morning. But once each of them sees the evidence, sees the risen Lord, they believe. For Mary, once she'd seen the empty tomb, once she'd seen the angel, once she'd seen Jesus herself, she believed and had her life transformed and went on to tell the good news. And despite what is commonly believed, the Gospels are not a story concocted in the year 300 B, uh, AD to, to, to try and control the masses. This is a, a raw, real and eyewitness account of people explaining unbelievable facts. Facts that they probably wouldn't believe that they saw them with their own eyes. Many of us dismiss the resurrection of Jesus straight out of hand because we know the truth. Science tells us people do not rise from the dead. And in the ordinary course of events, that is indeed true. When you die, you're dead. 
But just like people don't normally win all-expenses-paid holidays to the Cook Islands, especially when they didn't even know they were in the competition, it doesn't mean it's not true when it does happen. Crazy, out-of-the-ordinary, unusual things happen all the time. That's what makes them believable. It's not how crazy or unusual it is, but the quality of the evidence and the people who saw this unbelievable thing and who explained, hey, I just saw this unbelievable thing happen. To make you believe that I won a trip, I had to show you some evidence. And let me tell you that the evidence for the resurrection is probably even stronger than the evidence I can produce to prove that I really did win that holiday. And rather than me uh, roll through it, I want to throw now to uh, someone who's more of an expert in the field than I am, Dr John Dixon, a history scholar and a prominent Australian Christian. He's, I've just got this little clip of him uh, speaking about the evidence for the resurrection of Christ. So let's hear what John has to say. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Well, the first thing to say about this is that the topic is actually taken seriously by scholars. I, I don't mean theologians tucked away in seminaries. I mean historians who are specialists in ancient Palestine. They take this story seriously. Even scholars who don't believe resurrections are possible take the resurrection of Jesus seriously as an historical oddity. And here are the reasons why. Number one, there's no precedent for the belief that someone would raise, be raised to life in time. I know you sometimes hear people say that there were lots of dying and rising gods in antiquity and Jesus is just another. That's nuts. People who say that aren't historians and they're quoting people who aren't historians either. The reality is none of those stories from ancient Greek myth and so on have any relevance to the Jesus story. It's so tenuous. There is no precedent. Uh, the disciples were not expecting this story. So something had to have caused this story of a risen Jesus to come into existence. The second thing that causes historians to take this seriously is the early date of the claim of the resurrection. We know for a fact the people were claiming that Jesus had been raised to life, not decades later, but almost instantly with the event itself. Our evidence that the disciples within the first few months were claiming to have seen him is overwhelming. So frankly, you don't find serious historians who think the resurrection story was like a developing legend. You know, it could have been a made-up story from the very beginning, but it had to be from the very, very beginning. There are two other really important facts that historians take seriously. Number one, we really do think there was an empty tomb. All the sort of uh, evidence points in that direction. There's multiple testimony to an empty tomb. We know that the early Jerusalem uh, leadership, the opponents of the church, uh, agreed that there was an empty tomb. Uh, so this is a real historical puzzle. Very early on, people are claiming to have seen someone alive and there's an empty tomb. And the last piece of information that historians generally agree on, even historians who don't believe in resurrections, is that the disciples of Jesus thought they had seen him alive. Not only was there an empty tomb, 
we're very confident that people who were close to him thought they had seen him alive. One of the most sceptical scholars in the world, E.P. Sanders, um, but a, a leader in the field, says that the disciples of Jesus um, had resurrection experiences is, in my judgment, a fact. What explains those experiences, I do not know. This tells you what the responsible historian uh, arrives at as a conclusion. Something very strange did happen. And I think when you put all these um, data together, no precedent, very early date for the resurrection, empty tomb, and claimed eyewitnesses. If you believe there's a God who's able to raise people from the dead, then you have no problem believing in a resurrection. We have exactly the kind of evidence you would expect if a man really did rise from the dead. I wonder what you make of that. I think that the question, did Jesus really rise from the dead, is at least answerable in this way. Certainly those closest to him believed that he did so. And I think that's pretty good evidence to say that what we're celebrating today is indeed true. And let me suggest that for many of us, the problem with the resurrection of Jesus is not the evidence, though we may claim it to be so. The problem is the implication of that evidence. You see, there are no implications for you if you believe the unlikely story that once upon a time, Chris Bowditch won a holiday. So, you'll assess the evidence in a different kind of way to if I tell you that God sent his one and only son into the world to die and to rise again so that you could be brought back into relationship with him if you simply trust him, have faith in him and submit your life to his lordship. See, if Jesus did indeed rise from the dead, as all the evidence suggests, then this isn't just another story of unlikely events that you can ignore, but it is world-changing news. Because Jesus now no longer can be simply a good moral teacher who we can pick and choose the best bits from. He can no longer be a strange and inquisitive political figure from the first century who we can study his moves. Instead, he has to be the resurrected Messiah, the one whom God sent to save us. And then all his claims must be true. Like when he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The resurrection means life eternal is one through Jesus. And you need to trust him to receive the free gift of eternal life. Nothing matters more in this life than what you do with this story of the resurrection. And so I want to commend you today 
Please don't dismiss it, but believe in it, trust in it, and allow it to transform your life. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come, that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus offers full life, true life, resurrection life eternal life. All he asks of you this Easter day is that you believe, trust and submit your life to him. Will you do that? I hope so. 